Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Um, so last week we spoke about um, no condemnation in Christ, and that's a great message. That's, a, that's great news for, some, for all of us, not some of us, all of us because it means that God does not give up on anyone, and that Jesus came to die for everybody. And so no matter what has happened, yeah, life might take a different course, but God has not given up, and neither should you. And the Bible actually says, there's a great verse in the Scriptures that talks about, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And then really what that means is, you can't, <laughs> you can't shake it off. If God has called you and put gifts inside of you, no man, no mistake, no sin can stop them. It might pave a different path slightly, but, but they remain. Can you get an amen? Because none of us stand apart from Christ. None of us can stand for all have fallen short. And so it's so important. That's a great reminder for us that it, we don't come in here on merit. I don't stand up here on performance. Yes, to a certain extent, the Bible does call leaders to a certain standard, of course, and calls us to a certain standard, but we've all sinned and we've all fallen short, and so we don't, we're not, I'm not foundationally here on merit. Can I get an amen? And so we talked about how um, we were adopted as sons and daughters, uh, that, that we're actually a part of a family, and it's not about performance, it's about love, it's about somebody saying they're willing to sacrifice their life for us in the same way if someone is to adopt a child, they say, I'm going to give my life for this child, not just for convenience, not just for when they're nice, but for the good and the bad and the ugly and the times to rejoice and the times to mourn. And so it's a deep commitment. And so if you're, if you're in Christ, that means you're in that room. You're in that family. You're in that relationship and it's alive and it's deep. Yeah, I love that scripture we read out in Romans 8. It talks at the very end, and it's talking about the future tense of, hey, what can separate you from the love of Christ? And how wide and how high and how deep it is, how vast it is, that means that, that, that it's, it's, if you think your sin was bad, well, His grace is greater. If you think that mistake is too far, well, well his, his mercy goes further. Amen? And so the church is good news. The church is bringing a great message of hope in a season, in a world that, who knows, the world needs a little bit, actually not a lot of hope right now. There's not too many good news stories. There never has been, but on the news, there's, anyone seen any good news stories recently? No? Me too. Well, I don't really watch it, to be quite, I never really did. Um, that's some good advice. Um, we also talked about how the law condemns. If we come in here and we're just here out of duty or because somebody told us to come or, or we were, the culture convicted us and, and, and said we should be in church, well, we'll eventually we're condemned by that mindset. A duty-based mindset is based on performance, and we always fall short with our performance. We're getting better. We're not where we were, but, but the law will always leave you and drive you from condemnation. Striving, 
trying to reach the mark, trying to get there where when Christ came, he drew a line in the sand and we go from there. We move from there. We move on. We can actually have purpose and live a life using gifts while we still, still struggle and fight off sin. Is, any, is it just me or anyone else experiencing that? Um, but what I love about when, when all throughout the, the, the Bible, what we see is that God always begins with dream, a dream, a vision, an idea. The earth was formed from an idea, and then he spoke it. He had an idea, and he spoke. Let there be light, then there was. And then he went into Abraham and gave him a vision, how hey, you're going to bless the nations. You're going to go multiply, and, and as many, uh, as many uh, what is it, sand, particles of sand, what is it? grain of sand, as many as, many as they are, that's how many people you will bless. Well, what's he doing to Abraham? He's giving him vision. And then, then sin comes in, messes the whole thing up, obviously, uh, and the children of Israel are trapped in Egypt in slavery, and slave caught the prison doors shut, and God frees them, and he gives them vision of what? A new land, milk and honey, provision, a promise, he gives them a promise, a vision first. And then they have to travel through the wilderness and deal with some of the stuff and the, the, the slavery mindsets that they had and it was a struggle and they, they got it wrong and they fell into, into idols and all these kind of things. Then the commandments came as we would know the law. But what, what's this? How did the law, how was the law formed? Moses went up a mountain to what? Worship God, commune with God, speak with God. Then... Then the law came. Then the commandments came. Why? Because there was dysfunction. There was not a benevolent society. It was dysfunctional. They were, they were falling into all kinds of idol worship and, and, and being distracted and doing circles and wasting years of their life with meaningless behavior. Dysfunctional behavior. Sin was running rampant. So, so, so what's the context of the Ten Commandments? The context is it's a way of life. Here's a way of life. It's not the foundation. It's the structure. Yeah? And so then, then we, we fast forward and then we start to see all these prophecies of Jesus coming to the earth. This, this, I'll, read, I'll read a scripture that some of us know out. For unto us a child is born. Vision. A dream of this this Messiah, this, this man, a second Adam would come unto the, us, the Son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Some of you need to hear that. Maybe they needed to hear that in that, in that situation, in that prophecy, that maybe some of you have, you've struggled with fathers. Or maybe as a father. But there's a father coming. And there's access to a father coming that's everlasting. And he's a good father. Prince of peace. <laughs> he ushers peace. He brings peace. Not just situational peace when everything's working out. Actually a peace that goes way beyond that. This is a vision of Jesus. And it happened. Multiple visions happened. The dream came first, remember that. The vision came first, and then the way, the order, the law. 
And that's really important. Some of us maybe have been in circles where we hear, um, we hear statements like, the best is yet to come. Well, what are we really saying is there's anticipation for better days ahead. What is heaven? A promise. Eternal promise. What, what? It's a great thing to have. To live a life through the filter of knowing that God has got eternity sorted for you, it puts you in a different place. It puts you in a different perspective. Peace is ushered in. The Prince of Peace has arrived. An everlasting Father has arrived, despite what you experience here. What a great perspective. I don't know about you, but some of the, I love being around, you know, some of the most successful people I see in life are upbeat. They're excited about the future. They're not all, oh man, this is what happened last week, and this is what happened today, and they're like, no, 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 this happened, but I'm, going, I'm picking myself up. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to learn. I'm, I, I didn't like it. I hated it. But you know what? It's all good. I've got a vision. We're going to get there. This is just a part of the ride, part of the journey. That's the kind of people I see succeeding. They've got good news in their armor. They've got a vision for the future. They've got a dream. And they know that a part of the dream and getting there, is, there's going to be turbulence. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be all kinds of dysfunction. There's going to be a, de a devil in hell trying to, to capture them and their vision. But the Bible says, listen, I'm just going to resist you. When I'm driven by relationship with God and the Spirit and I'm under the authority of the Word, I can resist you. And I can continue to move forward. The best is yet to come. I'm not scared. I'm full of faith. I'm, see, that's what faith is. It's belief. I'm full of hope. I'm full of joy. I'm excited. I'm actually even excited to go to church. I'm excited about worship. And some of you are maybe sitting there thinking, well, I'm not. Well, that's good. That's a good, honest statement. It's good to be in tune and honest with yourself. I'm not there. That's okay. Well, let's get there. Let's get some things out of the way. See, Jesus came to build a bridge to your future and into your present. He came to invade the space of your heart, to remove anything that wasn't healthy and whole. It's good news. And so I want to just kind of move in, and we're going to look at one of the commandments, and I'm going to, we're going to speak about a message today, Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray. God, I just pray and ask your Holy Spirit just to come right now and give me words to speak. Guide my words. God, bring us into a place of light and eyes open. And help us in this season to, to see what you're doing in our lives and to follow and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said? Amen. So let's look at this verse. It says in Exodus 20, and this is the commandments being given here from Moses. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Some of you remember the Sabbath day by maybe somebody telling you you shouldn't go to the shops on the Sabbath, or you shouldn't be out of the house, or you shouldn't be in the shops, and you shouldn't be all these different places, these lists of rules. Well, that's not new. And Jesus actually faced those people who caught you in the range. He faced them. <laughs> I'll confess, we went to the range to get a few little things last week, and it, it, it did cross my, my mind. It's like, what if someone sees me? What will they do? I'll probably just do an Adam and blame my wife. I didn't want to come. She wanted the... <laughs> Anyhow, 
But, but what can happen is that's what the law looks like to us. That's what a relationship with God looks like to us. We think about the do-nots and the do's and should I do this? Or should... and, and it's interesting, like, is that it? Is that what it's all about, just the do's and, and don'ts? And so the actual word Sabbath in its original language means Shabbat. Turn to your neighbor and say Shabbat. Shabbat. And that really just means to stop. It really just means to halt. It, it just means to reset. Let's, let's strip everything back and just stop for a second. What are we doing and why? Did you know in, in this world it's actually quite hard, especially at this time of the year, to just stop? I'll be, like, it, when we do pre-service, we, we stop and we worship. And all, all it is, I just thought, let's not even have the worship team up. They need to be doing this too. And we just put some music on in the background, and we stand up to be present, and we play some worship music, and, and we just stop, and we silence ourselves in our, in our inside, and we worship God, not because there's people on the stage, or there's something on the screen, there's nothing on the screen, because we're trying to train people to stop. And I'll be honest, the first minute I was just looking around me, <laughs> oh, trees, Oh, <laughs> the lights on. What's that? Dirt on the floor. That, that's what was going through my mind because I was so used to busy, busy, busy. And I had to just let that stop. And as it stopped, then I started to think about, oh, hey, God, hey, God, I just thank you. I worship you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for forgive me another breath in my lungs. And all of a sudden, things began to shift. I actually started to tune in to, to the Spirit of God on the inside of me. I started to think differently. My busyness started to stop. And that's really the heart of the Sabbath, is, hey, we're busy all week, and we should work, and all those things are good, but, but once a week, we need to stop. Why? To get a healthy rhythm because busyness is sometimes a bit like lies. Have you ever told a lie, and then somebody asks you about that lie, and you have to tell another lie, and another three lies, and four lies, and it's like a web? Busyness is nearly the same. You commit to one thing, commit to another, and then there's two other things attached to that one thing, and so forth and so forth, and it just gets busier and busier. But God has designed as a part of the law for us to stop. So next year, you know what we're going to teach our church we're going to do together is we're going to get into rhythms of stopping every day. We're, we're making this journal. It's called BREAD, which is an acronym, and it, it's all in the book. Um, I'm getting these printed at the present, but we're going, to, we're going to get into healthy rhythm. Why? Because you can't do relationship well unless you stop. How are you going to get to know your wife or your friend or your family if you never stop? I've been in rooms with kids running about chaotically. And honestly, we laugh and we joke, but we don't ever ask, hey, how was your week? We're just, it's just surface. We never really stop and talk, hey, how's things? Because we're busy. And so we're going to be stoppers. We're going to work hard. I'm going to stop. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to stop. And so direction from God 
comes out of relationship with God, but we can't do that unless we have Sabbaths and we stop. Devotion scripturally was supposed to be meditating on the day, sorry, meditating on the word day and night. That looks like stopping. That looks like putting busyness to the side. It's, it's, an, it's a rhythm of life. It's a, it's a, it's a flow. It's, it's a routine. It's a structure which protects you and serves us to have a clear mind, less weight on our shoulders, less worry, and more faith. When, when we talk about being in Christ, we talk, we're really talking about being in the room. And when you're in the room, you're at the table. And when you're at the table, it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's exciting. And that's why we talked about being in Christ. To be in Christ is really not as much to do with the do's and don'ts as much as it is about stopping and talking and listening. So important, so important. I think the problem is when we focus on the law is what happens is if we say, say you're supposed to go to church and read your Bible every day of the week and you're just focused on that and that's as deep as it goes. The problem is what happens is, okay, I'm going to church and I'm reading my Bible and then you see someone that's not and, and you start to naturally, well they're not performing very well, they're not up to my standard. What happens is you're starting to realize you don't really have a heart for them because they're, they're not doing what you're doing and, and you can start to feel like you're better. And they're like, who are they? They don't even read their Bible. Who are they? They don't even go to church. Who are they? I don't want to hang out with them. Because what's happened there is your foundation has become the do's and the don'ts, the law. I'm going, oh, they, they're out on the Sabbath. They're out at the whatever and what you do is you put it into a black and white script, and, and you, you create a black and white system, and when somebody's not in the black or the white, if they're in the black, then you, they're wrong, and you judge them, and you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what the scenario is, and there's, you come into church in those environments, and there's judgment. You feel if, if things didn't work out for you in life, you come in, and you don't feel good, worthy, and people aren't really, you know, they're kind of like, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I don't like you, like, you, you're a sinner. Yeah? It's so ugly. It's the complaint of so many. And I'm not saying that God doesn't have ways. Of course he does, but it comes out of relationship. The, the process and the structure is not the foundation it's the way to freedom. It's not where we start. And so I was speaking to, I, was in, I took a day in school this week, because sometimes I sub, and I was up in, in Cookstown, Ron, Cookstown, come on, good old Cookstown, and I got into this class, and I was like, I hope, not too much, I hope there's not too much stress, I hope I can get some church work done here, you know, don't tell the schools. Um, and this was an LLW, Learning for Life and Work, and, and it was actually a fun class, and a few characters in it, and a good laugh, and so we said, so what do you do in this class? You know, what do you usually do in this, what do you do last week? Ah, oh, nothing, we just talk about, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've heard that every class I've went into, 
Kids are smart. They're smarter than you think, and they'll test you. But anyhow, I thought, right, this is a good class. We'll have a bit of convo. By 14, 15, starting to grow up all over social media. I was like, so what's the biggest problems in kids today? And they were telling me social media and da-da-da, and it leaves you feeling worse. And I'm like, yep, 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 I agree. Same here. Um, and then I said, what else do you talk about? Are we talking about God? And I'm like, do you? I'm like, well, I'm like, what do you do? What, what do you do, sir? Well, actually, now that you've asked, go ahead and look up our on uh, go ahead and look, look up our church on uh, Instagram there and give us a follow. Thank you. <laughs> but, but, but we got talking about it, and, and the first question this girl, who was a wee bit more verbal than the rest, she was like, so, so, so sir, am I allowed to swear? And I'm like, what? And then like, are, are we allowed to drink? Well, you probably should, you're underage, so obviously no. But, but my, my my initial reaction was, why does it matter? Why why is that your first question? Why are you asking me about the the rules? Like, if you're not in relationship with God, why why are you trying to come under His authority? You're not in the room. Because she kind of said, ah, can I go now and again? It, it, it came across pretty clear that she wasn't really in relationship with God or wasn't in the picture, but she was just asking me, am I allowed to? Well, if, you're not, if God's not Lord and you're trying to please, why are you asking me the rules? <laughs> it makes no sense. And I was like, well, you can sm- do you have a boyfriend? And you got all embarrassed. And I'm like, well, let's say you do. Let's say you do. You can smack him around the head if you want. Go ahead and slap. See how it works out. Was it, was, is that helpful? Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, well if, if there's no boyfriend to slap, what's the point? Like, what, is it going to help your relationship? Is it beneficial? Ah. So it's not, yeah, it's about relationship. It's not about the do's and don'ts. You can do what you want. The Bible says everything is permissible but not beneficial. I can go home and be lazy all day long, but if it's not going to work out, out for me in the long run, it's going to be more stress for me because I've got accountability at home. <laughs> a few people learned about the Dyson. They're like, oh, that's a good technique, Phil. I bought two. I bought two. Like, like, hey, baby. So, so yet again, it's about relationships. So why, this is the danger of people coming to church if we're given instructions of God, you know, the the Ten Commandments. If that's your starting place, you've started way wrong. And if you start there, what happens is when you're behaving well, well, I'm good. It fills you with pride, not humility. And that's how you know it's not God. If it's filling you with pride, it's not from God. God always begins from the bottom. And the foundations, and the foundation is we're all sinners saved by grace. We need Christ. We worship Christ. We're not coming in here excited about our good behavior this week. Or, or everyone else's good behavior. Because we're putting, well, there's mis, we're, if we're looking, this is the, the problem. This is why the law is called the ministry of death. When you look to the law, it convicts you and condemns you. It does. Without Christ, we, we all fail. And it's not, we're not attracted to it, we run from it. And so, went on to talk and have that conversation in the classroom, and they're like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. I'm like, you haven't heard this before? 
But, but it's our indi- it's the first thing we look at because we're trying to be in the good books. But the reality is God's about vision. He's about dreams. He's about fulfilling and doing something with your destiny. That's where he starts because he knows that will drive you. He knows if you can get a picture in your mind, if you can see a location or a situation that is godly and of God, then you've got, it's not about the do's and don'ts. But you know if you, if you want to get there, you've got to stay in relationship. You've got to have a clear mind. You can't have a, a burdened soul. Sin is holding you back to get to the vision, to get to the dream, to have that, to have that thing come to pass. It, sin is your enemy. And that's why God provided us with Christ, because it allows us to pursue purpose, vision, and see dreams fulfilled despite our failures. Amen? See, remember to build on relationship, not on religion or religious behaviors. When it becomes duty-based, you've lost. It's like, it's like this, hey, hey, Anna, I'm buying you a present this year. But it's not because of any feelings towards you. It's not because I even, you know, I don't really feel, there's not big feelings or, or, or emotions attached to you, or I'm not excited about it. There's no feelings or anything like that. But I'm just doing it out of duty, love. And, and it's just because I'm a husband and I have to do that, don't I? How do you think Anna's, like, she still gets the present, she still gets the possession, but how does she feel? I've given her the sacrifice, you could say. I've sacrificed my money and bought this present and give it to her. I, I ticked the box. But has it built the relationship up? It's probably done damage. Well, it, it has done damage. But it's interesting that, isn't it? Because she's still got the present. Because we're built for relationship. It's, I was thinking about this, just a random example. Um, I was out, I was playing a game, I was, in, I was playing football the other day, and I, and I took it around, uh, you know, I was dribbling it down the field, and doing a few step overs, and, and then I just turned around and pinged it into the top corner, unbelievable, what a shot, scored, went, done a lap around the pitch, top off, woo, <laughs> so excited, the only problem is there was no one else on the pitch, or around the pitch, it was just me. And so the, pro- the problem with that is no one else is in relationship with me. It, it hadn't, there, was n- there was no gain. It wasn't real life. It had no value. I scored a goal, but there was no, s- there was no one else there. There was no, no league, no other people around. Sometimes it's a bit like that. We think we're going somewhere with our law-based, duty-based Christianity performing well, but <laughs> It's of no value. What happened to Mary and Martha? Mary straight into the kitchen doing the work, and, and that's probably a tradition as well in, in that culture, but she's, work, 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 oh, flip, trying to please Jesus, woo And then Mary, the other Mary's down at, at Jesus' feet, stopping, staying at his feet, learning in relationship, listening. No brownie points for that. Through the, through the eyes of the law, through the eyes of duty-based relationship. But Jesus said, no, 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 she's doing the right thing. Because Jesus came for relationship. It's only relationship 
through his relationship can you really make impact. How do I know that? There were people in the scriptures called the Pharisees, and they went around converting people. That's a great thing, I thought. Like, is that not what we're supposed to do? And Jesus said, you're making people twice the sons of hell as yourself. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus, but they're talking about, well, I thought well, this is about you. And he's the one they were harshest with. Why? Because they're doing nothing. They're on the football field, scoring top, top peg, putting it in the top corner, and there's no one there. There's no other teams. It's just of no value in the kingdom of God. All it does is it brings more people into empty pitches, into empty relationships with God where God isn't even there. Because the foundation is not the law. So let's, let's, let's dig a wee bit deeper. It says in Matthew 12 and 1, so here's Jesus, he's with his disciples, and he's going, at that time, Jesus went through grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, in the culture was the Sabbath. There was all these rules which were added to the Sabbath. It wasn't just make it holy. Hey, you make it holy by, don't go too far away from your house. There's a certain distance on how far you could go. There's all these other different rules. It was so complex that even the Jews themselves couldn't keep it. They didn't just have the law. They had laws upon laws, like a web. The way sin operates, it starts with one lie and ends up with 50. And so here we are, and his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your, dis your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They thought, hey, we've got him, we've caught him. He's doing, well, what did they really believe? What they believed was, this is, what, this is how a duty-based mindset works when you're judgmental and, and you're not basing it on love and grace. Did you know that living a life on this earth in relationship with God, with other human beings, is not black and white? Have you realized that yet? Did you know the, the process of discipleship is not black and white? You don't just all of a sudden become a robot, cookie cutter, everything's, you know, every T is crossed and I is dotted. It doesn't work that way. Discipleship is messy. It's full of mistakes. It's full of people sinning and repenting. That's, that's what it looks like. And, but, but what happened was the Pharisees came along and they were like, oh, got one thing wrong. Let's get them quick. Took some grain. And so what they, they were saying was, they were saying, well, because you took the grain and you're rubbing it in your hands, that's the equivalent to doing the work that you would do during the week. That's the equivalent to harvesting and threshing. Just being extreme. Just dying to catch someone else out. Why? Because it, it puffed up their pride. It made them feel better about themselves because they hadn't done that. It's poison for the soul. It's poison for the kingdom of God. It's so ugly to be around that kind of spirit. You're never good enough. It's always that posture of the, the chest out and I'm looking down upon you. Who wants to be around that? When the church becomes that, it's, it's, it's lost. It's lost its way. Because they made the law their love and not the Lord. See, the law alone, it condemns. 
process became more important than a person. I remember actually talking to a guy, kind of ashamed to say this, but, but in a church setting, and he actually said this, and I, could, I was like, this can't be right. He says, you know, my personality, this is the problem if we get too much into ourselves. My personality is, you know, if there's people running about and, uh, you know, a kid knocks over a chair, my personality would be more that I'd be more worried about the chair than if the kid was hurt. Um, that's just your personality? I'm not sure. That's, uh, I was like, right, I, respe- I thought I respected this guy, but What? See, what had happened was he had got so much into trying to work out his personality and his psychology and da-da-da, that that he had started to believe that it was just okay to value a chair over a person, the process over people. That's why one of our values is people are a priority, because listen, process, yes, it can get annoying. And yes, people mightn't, we might not do everything exactly the way it was supposed to be done, and but people are still our priority. Whether it's inconvenient, whether it's annoying to us, whether it frustrates us, it's still the right choice. So let's build our life on the Lord and not on the law. The ways of the law are correct. They're good. But if they're our foundation, they only condemn. And then Mark 2 and 27, watch what Jesus says. It says, and if you'd, if you'd only known what this saying means, I desire mercy, readiness to help, to spare and to forgive, real life, messy, like a manger. Rather than sacrifice and sacrificial victims, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For what's this? For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man became for before the Sabbath, the visions and the relational beginning of a relationship with God become before the instructions of how to fulfill it. God is always working relationally before He's, he's working functionally. God deals with our sin at the start so we can process it in the middle. And so that's so important. So we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. As a church, as people come in broken, beaten up by their own sin, by the world's sin, by life, it's messy. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. We've got to look through the filter of grace that we got. And if, we, if you don't have grace, you need to receive grace because you can't give what you, what you don't have. We're going to be people and a church that continue to focus on people over process. Yes, some people haven't got their tickets yet. Yes, I would love you to get your ticket. Please, please. (laughs) But even if you don't, you're still more important than the ticket. And you're still more important than the process. And you're still more important on the structure And that's where we always begin. If there's a problem in church, the first thing I have to do and we have to do is we go one-to-one and ask, hey, what's going on? And then I listen. Then we listen. Why? Because I want to hear your heart. I want to start with what's going on the inside. 
like we talked about last week, if we want a church that's truly on fire, it's a church that's connected to God's Holy Spirit relationally. That's how it works. Then dreams come. Then passion comes. Then drive comes. We don't start with drive or just human effort. We start with with God's grace. And that's where God's power comes. And that's why we say it's not by might, not by strength, but by His Spirit. Because the Spirit is the fuel for the strength. The Spirit is the fuel for the power that, that ignites the church. The cross is where it all begins and where it all ends. And people over process and love over law. Let's go ahead and stand. And so there's probably people in here, and you know that you've maybe veered towards that duty-based Christianity. You're maybe just coming to church because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Or you don't even know why you're here. But I'm telling you, as Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and spoke to them and said, listen, you're getting it all wrong. I came before the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You don't surrender and worship the Sabbath. You worship me. You worship Jesus. He's the Lord. He's above all. He's the creator. He's the one that breathes life into your lungs. He's the one that came before the earth even began. Eternal, outside of time, in love with you. It's that kind of love. It's real. And God wants to invade your soul. And he wants to teach us rhythms of life. Why? So that we can actually make a difference while on the earth. But you can't do it on your own strength, with striving, with your own ideas. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.